You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday at 5 p.m. on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen, and I am here in studio again with Janice Hill, the inaugural director of Indigenous Initiatives here at Queen's University. Welcome back to CFRC. Very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. We're really happy that you're here, too. Uh, It's a really exciting time here at Queen's University. On June 21st, uh, Queen's, as well as Canada, celebrated National Indigenous Peoples Day here on Queen's campus. we had a principal's barbecue. We did. And there was a uh, launch of a particularly uh, neat new initiative, uh, the Mohawk Language and Culture uh, Certificate Program. Yes, that was very exciting for so, us. So tell us about the uh, principal's barbecue uh, and what happened there on uh, June 21st. Well, once the uh, organizers of the barbecue realized that the event was actually happening on National Indigenous Peoples Day, they decided to take that theme for their decorations. So there were balloons and decorations that represented the four colors of humans, the red, black, yellow, and white. As well, there were cakes made that displayed the symbols for the First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people, and the cakes the principal, Wolf, and myself cut those cakes and handed dessert out to people. So in that way, they were acknowledging. And there were there was a slideshow with a lot of um, slides from things that have gone on on campus that raise the awareness of Indigenous initiatives on campus. Also in conjunction, the Gaswinta Indigenous Knowledge Initiative, Kiki, short form, had an event outside of Grant Hall where they invited people. They designed a, what they called a reconciliation tree, and they asked people to come and write on a leaf what reconciliation meant to them, and then the leaves were hung on the tree. So I'm not sure where that's going to be displayed, but it was an opportunity for some engagement and awareness raising around the whole issue of reconciliation. Okay. <laughs> and now in tandem with uh, the Principal's Barbecue uh, and these celebrations yesterday, uh, you mentioned uh, before we uh, started recording that there were also some great things happening on Tayandanega territory too. Absolutely. Every year on National Indigenous Peoples Day, Jijunha Ungwawana Language and Culture Center organize a full day of events for the community. So their events happen Um, start first thing in the morning with a 5k fun run so that started about 8 a.m. but before they started their formal agenda for the day they set aside time for us to launch the um, certificate in Mohawk language and culture which which is a program that's been developed in collaboration between Queen's University particularly languages literatures and cultures in the Department of Arts and Sci- the Faculty of Arts and Science along with Jijunha Ungwawana who's the language and culture center in Tyndanaeg. Okay. And this is really exciting uh the new certificate program and as uh, as mentioned Queen's has partnered with and you'll have to forgive my pronunciation <laughs> working on this Jijunha Ungwawana. Very good. 
Yeah. Very good. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, has partnered uh, to, uh, with Yunhit Ungolwana to deliver this new certificate program. Can you tell us about the partnership and uh, the university's new partner? Okay, well, this is a collaboration between the two organizations, Queen's and Jijunha Ungolwana. And this relationship actually goes back several years. There are faculty members on campus who've been working with Jijunha in language revitalization and research and writing kinds of things mm-hmm. for several years now. And we've been working on the development of this, certif- this particular certificate program for probably at least five years. Wow. Um, so Jijunha Ungawana is just over 20, I think it's just over 20 years old now. And they um, facilitate language revitalization and programming in the community of Tyendinaga. They host an early immersion, early primary immersion program for children up to age four or five. And then they have a primary program for children up to grade four. And then they have this adult program called Sariwanagaradats, which means they're standing up the words. And that is the name of the certificate program in the Mohawk language. So in the certificate, or I mean, yeah, so in the certificate program, students will complete four courses and their credit courses at Queen's. So uh, the hope is that this might, oppor- this might offer an opportunity for students to, um, as a pathway into Queen's, cause, because those credits will be transferable if a student finishes and decides to do a bachelor's degree, okay. then those language certificates would apply towards their bachelor's degree and then would help them to transition into the university. So that's one um, potential outcome that we were looking forward to, that this might be a way for people who might not be comfortable coming to university right away to get their feet wet in some university work mm-hmm. and get used to university work before they come on campus. Um, because the certificate program, this particular certificate program will be delivered on-site in Tyendinaga, and the format is a little different than normal course, than regular, not normal, than regular. So um, it'll start off with a one or two week intro program in August, and then I believe they do one weekend a month and one or two evenings per week for some tutoring, and it's kind of a blended course, so there's also an online option Mm -hmm. um, for them to complete. So it's intensive work, so they're not coming every day for five days or anything, but it's intensive, so what they're doing is uh, several hours all at once or or several days all at once. Okay. Um, And so the certificate program is two years long, so each cohort will start and end before another cohort begins. So applications would only be taken every second year. Okay. Um, the program's directed towards, first of all, members of the community of Tyendinaga, and then secondly to other Mohawk people in the other sister communities, and then thirdly to other people who are interested in learning Mohawk language. Okay. And it'll also have an alternative admissions process especially for this first year as we're piloting it. So there will be um, an added component. 
people who are applying will be required to write a statement of intent or interest why they want to learn the Mohawk language and those statements will actually be vetted by the executive director and the instructors at Jijunha and Gowana. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and now tell us about some of the instructors, uh, some of whom are already actively teaching here at Queen's University, as I understand. Absolutely. Tonya Dunhas, who Nathan Brinklow is our current Mohawk language instructor here on campus. And uh, as I understand it, he will be the lead instructor for this new certificate program. Okay. Um, there's a suggestion of team teaching with another individual who has yet to be named, <laughs> and there will also be guest speakers, so they'll bring in guest fluent speakers from other Mohawk communities so that students can get an ear for the language and hear it spoken. Okay. And um, now, you mentioned to uh, just a little while ago uh, that uh, these courses, uh, uh, teaching Mohawk traditions, histories, worldviews, and certainly language, are directed uh, largely and firstly towards uh, people within the Tayendinega uh, territory, Mohawk right. territory, and then other uh, Mohawk peoples uh, on other territories mm-hmm. or elsewhere yeah. in the region, perhaps, uh, and then other people that might be uh, encouraged as well. So our settlers also encouraged to participate? We have had settlers take Mohawk language training through Jijunha Ungawana in the past. Okay. So I think the door is open. It's not closed by any means, but they'd be further down on the priority list. Okay. Because and part uh, of the, part and just of the for our listeners, are there uh, what might be the, some of the concerns perhaps with uh, settlers participating in uh, Mohawk traditions, histories, worldviews, and language programs? Well, um, I wouldn't say concern so much as uh, the whole impetus behind the development of, not the whole, but the major impetus behind the development of the certificate was for the university to assist the community in uh-huh. the revitalization and reclamation of the Mohawk language. Right. Because in the community of Tayendinega, we don't have mother tongue speakers anymore. So most of the speakers in Tayendinega now are second generation, second language speakers, not second generation, second language really? speakers. Um, so they've learned the language as a second language. There might be one or two people who are old older people who are still first language speakers, but they don't engage in the community in the language as much. Most of the people in the community now who speak are second language speakers. So there's one family that's um, a couple who are both second language speakers, and they actually have raised their daughters in the language. So I would say those two young girls, who I think are probably maybe six and eight at most now, are our mother tongue speakers in our community. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's a really it's a really a, um an exercise in reclamation of language. So I think that's why we've targeted towards Mohawk people and specifically people from Tayendinega as the highest priority. There are many settler people who live in the community of Tayendinega and there are several people who also study language. So it's a door that, as I said, is open to them. Now, it is language and culture, mm-hmm. so there will be discussions around things like ceremonial practice and worldview and 
um, cosmology, things like that. So it's not any information that's not available on the web. If people wanted to search the internet, you can find all this information. But you know, there are some sacred things that may be discussed. I don't mm -hmm. know that they will be. It would probably depend on the audience and who the guest speakers may be at the time. But that's always um, something to be aware of in these kinds of situations. Okay. And, uh, that's uh, fascinating. Very new for uh, information for me. So perhaps many of our listeners may not have been aware that um, within Thai and Dinega territory, uh, almost everybody, except maybe small children, uh, are second-generation Mohawk speakers. So, yes, I can certainly see where the prioritization of the people within the territory of being able to engage these programs, because, as you said, it's a matter of reclamation of yeah. uh, culture, heritage, and language. And survival, really, because uh, our, our language holds our culture. So if we lose our language, we really lose a lot of who we are as people. Okay. So it's really important that we save that language. And especially, I think, if we can, the language that's spoken at Tayendinega, because there are many Mohawk communities, and we all understand each other. There are dialectic differences. But one of the things I was told as a younger woman was that the language we spoke at Tayendinega was one of the oldest forms of the language, because we didn't have the influence of, in the East, they have the um, influence of French, communities. Mm -hmm. In the West, they have the influence of the other of the five nations. So there's a little bit of integration of those things within the language as it's spoken in those communities. But because Tyndanaga <coughs> is kind of isolated, we're not, we don't have those influences around us. We had, and we formerly had maintained an older form of spoken Mohawk. Okay. Um, one thing I found quite interesting, and uh, too, even just uh, before we started today, and I asked you to help me pronounce Jidian Het Ngwawan. You still did a good, yes. Jidian One thing that I'm finding very interesting, and perhaps uh, it, uh, for our listeners, too, if, uh, if you go online and, and read some of the stories uh, through the Queen's Gazette, for example, uh, related to this initiative, uh, it's really interesting to see that the uh, written Mohawk language uh, does not <laughs> actually, it's, it looks anglicized, but it does not sound no, phonetically. <laughs> so if I'm pronouncing Jitinyet Ungwawana, it actually looks to me like Jitinyet Ungwawana. Like it's actually really hard to read. Um, tell us a little bit about the language dynamics, or, or sorry, the linguistical okay. linguistic aspects. <laughs> okay, I, I know I know that you're not. I'm not a professor. linguist. No, but I do know a little bit about the language. So T S together is like a J sound. G. That's where you get the G from mm -hmm. G unit. And the I is pronounced like a long E. So T S I actually says G. Yeah. <laughs> and then Junhet is T Y. Um, actually. Tyendinaga, I think, may be the only community that uses the Y. Other communities would use a double I. Oh, okay. Instead. So, um, and that's part of a standardization project. But in the language, if you see the t a T written by itself, it makes a D sound. If it has an H preceding it, then it says T. And a K says G. It's a G sound. But if an H precedes it, it says K. And E-N is uh. It's a vowel, and O-N is mm, 
and it's also a vowel. So I is pronounced like a long E, and E is pronounced like a long A. So look at you go. <laughs> no longer. <laughs> I've repeated them a few times to different people who are trying to pronounce my name. <laughs> and what is your uh, Mohawk name? My name is Ganushuni. 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 Yeah, and it means she's making a house. That's fantastic. <laughs> Ganu Shuni. Mm-hmm. Ganu Shuni. Okay, so next time I see you, you'll have to quiz me. How's your, how's your pronunciation this time? Um, how do you say hello in Mohawk? Seigon. You Seigon. say Seigon, but it actually means again, because when we're greeting someone, it's like, again, we're seeing each other more than it is hello. So you'll hear pe- speakers speaking, and they'll say Seigon, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It means again, whatever they're, to- they're speaking about. But when you greet each other, we also say Seigon, but that's really about us seeing each other again. Right. And what about goodbye? Goodbye is Ona, Oda. but we don't really say Ona. There's no, we never say goodbye to each other oh. only once, and that's when that person's leaving this earth walk. Ah, uh, so okay. So Ona, Ona Giwahi means until we meet again, friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, goodbye, not particularly used, except right. in a particular situation, right. uh, uh, somebody's journey off the earth. Right. Um Okay, so just even in this brief conversation here, it's really fun. I like language. Mm-hmm. Language is really fun. It's fascinating. It, I always, um, when I was uh, finishing my PhD, I had to uh, do research in uh, reading French and Russian, oh, wow. uh, Imperial Russian, like that. <laughs> so, and I don't speak either language natively or or. Even as a second language, I had to learn how to read it. Right. So my pronunciation is still <laughs> quite terrible. But as I'm learning the constructs of the grammar and stuff, I always like looking at it as a puzzle. It was mm-hmm. a really fun challenge. Yeah, well, Nathan's wonderful. Tanya Dunhas about explaining language, and he'll talk about the fact that Mohawk is a polysynthetic language, which I can't even remember what that means. <laughs> but it's a verb-based language as well. And one of the things I always find fascinating about our language is people will ask for words, but our words aren't really words, they're concepts. Mm-hmm. So it's a complete thought, and it's a very descriptive language. And one of my favorites is when I was learning Mohawk language and we were talking about coffee and what's the word for coffee, and the word I was taught is Oh, my God. What that word means is you take the beans and you crush them and you pour hot water over them. So what the word says is the action of what you do to create the drink coffee. Do you know that's a, quite a lot like Russian in that manner, too? Oh, some, right? of the, some Russian words are really, really long because they have different segments that explain... It's a whole a, a whole process mm-hmm. as opposed to a single singular action. Right. Neat. And we always encourage instructors to try and explain to students the true meanings of words uh-huh. because even our word like for chair is adequara, but it's not really chair. It talks about your behind and how you place it on the seat. Place your behinds <laughs> ever so gently yeah. on the seat. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, maybe that means fluffy chair. <laughs> <laughs> it might. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, oh, I was just trying to um, think of now. Getting back to some of the courses, um, like uh, like language 
that's going to be super fun. Oh, and I think I oh. told you the wrong word. It's Anit Squara, Adequara's table. Anit Squara's the chair. Sorry. And people over <laughs> and tie in an egg are like, what? <laughs> what are you about? <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> thank you. I feel, I feel like I'll sing it better now. Um, and now, in addition to these really uh, super fun classes uh, regarding language, which I think uh, would be really, really exciting. Um, the courses related to traditions, histories, and worldviews, I wonder what those might look like, too, because, uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I am a settler, so I don't, I, I can't necessarily know what it looks like to learn indigenous culture, tradition, and history, but I had understood that to, um, maybe uh, discrete communities have discrete ways, but ways of knowing and oral traditions are usually or, or often involved in, in the passing down of these worldviews, traditions, mm -hmm. and histories. Yeah. Uh, are the courses going to be structured in, in a similar pathway? I believe so. I think that the method that Dunya Dunhas uses here on campus is he, like, on campus it's a two-day class, so one day focuses on language and the second day focuses on culture. So I suspect there might be some of that kind of division where um, learning times are split between language and then culture. And in culture, uh, we're taught that our culture is taught to us through our epic narratives, which are our creation story, the great law. Some people would also say that includes the Code of Handsome Lake. And those are our our epic narratives that that outline Iroquoian cosmology, which is ours as Haudenosaunee people, as Mohawks. So that's always the beginning. The creation story is always the beginning, and the creation story holds all of our instructions as human beings, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to relate to mm -hmm. each other, to the world. And our ceremonies and the, our way of knowing and our way of being are all encompassed within those teachings. So those are the kinds of stories that will be related that will teach people about those cultural um, concepts. Okay. And then they do things like they'll learn about food and song and dance and ceremony. They'll learn about the structure of the longhouse and how that operates and how it's a kinship-based system. And okay. Yeah. So it's it, it, our culture is very interesting, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so there's a lot. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> so there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of opportunity, and especially with the program being delivered in Tyandonega, I believe there will be opportunity there that students on campus may not have been privy to okay. that will be um, that'll augment learning in a in a positive way. All right. Oh, um, one one other thing too, because you had mentioned again uh, that uh, uh, the courses are directed primarily to people on Tyndanaka territory. Um, is there a, a demographic or age group? Are youth being encouraged, or is this something more for adults? Uh, after high school, perhaps. Or? I think at least after high school would be the earliest that we would they would entertain. Yes, um, because it's a university certificate because program. Because it's a university certificate program, we always try to target youth because people who work in language revitalization understand that if the language is going to survive, it's the young people that have to pick it up. Yes, because they're the ones who were able to learn it so quickly, yeah. too. And also, they're going to be the future parents. So they're going to be the parents of the children who they can then teach to speak the language yeah. and learn about the culture. So it's important that we target youth. But, I mean, there are many people in the community 
who, because they work or their circumstances, haven't been able to take part in full-time programs because of the unique model that this is being delivered in. It will be open to more people who even work within the community. And I know that the Tyndanaga Mohawk Council and the administration of the Mohawks of the Bay Quinney are being encouraged to encourage their staff even to take part in the Mohawk Language Certificate Program. So those are really... Um, are really good opportunities, I think, that people in the community can pick up. Okay. Now, uh, we've still got a couple of minutes left. Um, can you tell us about, uh, and thank you for telling us all about the certificate program, uh, and uh, I encourage people to explore more and go to the Queen's Gazette. Um, where, can other, where can more information be found, too, about the certificate program? I believe it's, prob it's on the Jijunha Ungwawana website and mm -hmm. they have a Facebook page also um, and I believe there will probably be a link to it from the Languages, Literatures and Cultures website at Queen's University. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, what other additional projects and initiatives are you and your office currently working on mm -hmm. uh, through the summer and in the lead up to the fall term? Mm. Well, um, I guess one thing I'd like to make known, though, is that we've all the Faculty of Arts and Science has undertaken a lot of work this year, mm -hmm. as have many of the units and faculties on campus. But specifically, there's a second certificate in Indigenous Languages that will be offered this fall, and it is a certificate in Indigenous Languages. So students will take Ganyungeha, um, which is Mohawk language, Anishinaabemowin, which is Ojibwe language, and also Inuktitut. And we're also offering a second level of Inuktitut, so it'll have um, level one and level two now, because that's what our one and two courses, which is what we have in Mohawk and um, Ojibwe right now. So that's an additional offering for people. Uh, we also have five pre-docs coming this year to finish their dissertation, and each of them will be teaching courses in the winter term, so that's something to look forward to as well. Uh, the Faculty of Arts and Science also hired three new Indigenous faculty members, one in Geography and two in Gender Studies. So I'm really looking forward to there being a larger Indigenous community on campus mm -hmm. this year. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to them about their teaching and research. <laughs> so some of the projects we're working on is planning for the, I think it's the 24th Annual um, Indigenous Studies Research Symposium, which will be held November 9th and 10th. We're planning a second Indigenous Research um, Workshop on the 9th as well in, con in collaboration with the symposium, and that is part of the ad hoc working group on research with Indigenous communities. So that's an interesting workshop. People can watch out for the registration for that. Um, and those things are going to be held all during the first week of November, which is also National Treaty Treaties Awareness Appreciation or Treaties Recognition Week, I think. So I think that the archives at Queen's is also looking at inviting a guest speaker that week who will speak to Indigenous treaties. Okay. Um, the art installation in the Faculty of Law Atrium, the artist has now been announced. Hannah Claus won that uh, uh, commission, and her piece revolves around the wampum belts, which would be replicas of early treaty making. 
So, okay. So that's really, and they represent governance in Indigenous communities, and so that's, in, I'm looking forward to that installation as well. Um, we're also, in the beginning, preliminary discussions to talk about an Indigenous research center, whether that's going to be bricks and mortar or virtual, we're not sure yet, but there are a lot of people on campus, Indigenous and settler, who are engaged in Indigenous research. So it's a way to bring all those researchers together, we hope, and to look at what are the priorities in the community and mm -hmm. maybe identify some gaps where people might want to take up some research. And we're also looking, we're also beginning the work to extend the Indigenous Studies minor um, to become a major. So those are some of the major things that we're working on. My head is spinning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much work on the go, but so many great initiatives mm -hmm. that are that are uh, coming across your desk and that you're steering and motivating with your team. Well, we recently rele released our um, annual report on implementation of the recommendations from the TRC task force, mm -hmm. and my head was spinning reading the report because to see the level of engagement across the whole community from all of the faculties and units and what everyone is doing to pick up that work is just mind-blowing. It's amazing and it makes me very happy to see the work that's being picked up and undertaken by everyone. Not to say there's not still a lot of work to do, but to see the engagement and the level of, of commitment that people on campus have. Um, has been very uplifting. And it sounds uplifting. Congratulations to you and uh, to the university with moving forward on these initiatives. And we look forward to hearing more developments as they come to you. Um, so with that in mind, uh, we've come to the end. I just uh, wonder, one last thought, how do we say thank you? We say thank you, Nyawa. Nyawa. Mm -hmm. Nyawa. For coming. <laughs> How do we say thank you for coming? I don't know. <laughs> there, I don't there, know. there might be one whole <laughs> So Nyawak Goa no. is big thanks, and Nyawak Giwahi is thank you, my friend. So Nyawagiwahi. Nyawagiwahi, <laughs> yo. No. So I'd respond by saying yo, and it's just an acknowledgement of your thanks. Oh. I like this. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, this has been my conversation here for Campus Beat with Janice Hill, the Director of Indigenous Initiatives here at Queen's University, talking to us today about the new, uh, newly launched certificate program in Mohawk Language and Culture uh, and a partnership uh, with uh, Queen's University and G. Dionhet Ungwawana. Very good. On Chayandanega territory. <laughs> again, it's been a real pleasure, and we look forward to having you again in the studio. Thank you so much. It's glad to be here. <laughs> Nyawa. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> good one. <laughs> I'd like to thank Janice Hill again for coming to our studio today to uh, discuss the Certificate in Mohawk Language and Culture program uh, offered uh, through Queen's University and Jijinhet Ungwawana on uh, Tayendanega territory. For more information about that uh, certificate program, uh, if you'd like to register, for example, you can find more information at queensu.ca backslash artsi backslash mohawk. Thanks for tuning in to Campus Beat. We'll see you next time.